Hey everyone, it's James Bach of The Notorious Banker inviting you to join me on my Substack, thenotoriousbanker.substack.com. It is called The Notorious Banker Consumer Beast. While you know me as a podcaster and bank pundit and consumer advocate on social media, writing is my first passion. I am a published author of several books. I was on Notorious, no pun intended, for my blogging on social media sites such as MySpace in the mid-2000s, which furthered my love of writing, which allowed me to develop a voice and develop confidence in this crazy world that we live in throughout the years. My one promise with Consumer Beast is I'm going to talk about more than just banking. I'm going to talk about things that impact consumers in little subtle ways that slowly but surely impact the way that you spend your money, the way that you do business with certain companies, and the way that you feel about things going on in this crazy world. Consumer Beast is going to be my pet project. I'm going to try to blog at least once a week, hopefully sometimes twice a week. But I urge you to subscribe for free at thenotoriousbanker.substack.com. There will be a paid version of that in the near future. But for now, read my content free of charge, share it with your friends, and hit subscribe on that button, please. That's the Notorious Banker's Consumer Beast Substack at thenotoriousbanker.substack.com. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, it's James Baca, also known as the Notorious Banker, and welcome to my podcast. A big thank you to the 40,000 plus amazing followers all over social media. We got TikTok at Notorious Banker at Bank Better Guy on Twitter at Notorious Banker on Instagram. Of course, I am Consumer Beast on Substack. You can go to consumerbeast.com for that. And I am the author of High Risk Transaction, the Ryan Coogler Bank of America incident, now available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle formats. I'm the soon to be author of a book about Zell. I'm the soon to be author of a book about the New Mexico State 2022-23 basketball season. Guys, it's just wacky out there. I'm also writing a book in honor of my 40th birthday. I have a funny title for it. I can't tell it to you yet. And I am just I'm here to announce as well that I am going to be publishing um, a collection of all my Substack posts into one book format. I think having volumes is a cool thing. So my Substack book will come out really, really soon with all the things that I've published uh, since I launched my Substack a couple of months ago, because there's a lot of them already. And we're going to talk about two of them today. So guys, thank you so very much for your love and support. I do appreciate it. It's been a couple of weeks since I talked to you. Yes, I understand. I always apologize whenever I don't get to it immediately. But of course, I'm busy, just like you're busy. And um, you should you know, be understanding that the whole thing that's going on with the New Mexico State basketball scandal, the 2022-2023 season canceled last week. Um, due to a, a hazing incident, an alleged hazing incident, you got to use the word alleged there, um, that happened between one player and three players who were hazing or bullying him, led to the firing of head coach Greg Heyer, the suspension of the 2022-23 basketball season, and content like you would not believe on social media. I decided to write a book about this team in November after the incident involving Mike Peek. I really do feel that there was a lot of things going on there that had to be um, discussed. It, it just it just had to be. You know, the media coverage of it, the bullying by people on social media of the players, and I saw that firsthand. And then to just turn it around after a 9-15 and season to where the scandal is actually the team was bullying themselves, leading to this cancellation leading to the firing of the coach and leading to more bullying on social media by people who commented, not to mention just this whole negative cloud that has gone around the city of Las Cruces this week. Guys, it's so frustrating, and, I, and I'm so thankful that I'm able to write a book about it. I'm ready, you know, three minutes into this podcast, but I want to tell you that if you don't hear from me the next, you know, 10 days to 14 days, you know, before I do the next podcast or whatever, it is for that very reason. I'm trying to get this book out because there's a lot of feelings that I feel about that particular subject. And it has nothing to do with my work as a consumer advocate. It has nothing to do with my work as someone who helps people fight back against big banks and big companies. It's not someone who, you know, who talks about consumer and customer service issues all across the board nationwide and hell, even worldwide. It has nothing to do about that. It has something to do with something that is my favorite thing in the world to do, and that's go watch college basketball. And how that was taken away from me for the second time in three years. One time because of the COVID-19 epidemic, and then, of course, this time around because people are acting bad towards other people. And it goes 
all the way full circle for everything that happened this season. So be on the lookout for that. I am going to announce the book officially pretty soon in a couple of weeks. I have a cool title for that, and I'm going to hold on to that until the book is done. But it's almost done. I am, I'm trying to write three, four hours to get it done. Guys, there's not a lot going on in the banking world. I'll be honest with you. There has been like the worst dead period of banking news um, in the five years that I've done The Notorious Banker. There's always some scandal. There's always something going on, and of course I have an opinion about it. So there's not a lot going on in the banking world. And that's why I kind of went a little bit long talking about my New Mexico State basketball book. But of course, you know, I'm a consumer advocate. That is something that I, I call myself. That is something that I do for a living. And, you know, very rarely do I get a chance to talk about the things um, that bother me day-to-day customer service-wise. Uh, mainly because I'm, I'm fairly understanding of what it's like to be a manager. Uh, especially for a big company because I know a lot of the times the things that a big company has you do as a manager are things that you don't necessarily want to do. It's just part of your job. And you're the one that takes all the shit for it. You're the one that takes all the heat for it. And you got to manage people and let them know, hey, this thing is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to be. A lot of people may not like it, but you know what? As a manager, you have to be that person. That's why they're paying you the quote-unquote big bucks, right? Although I was a manager for many years and I didn't get paid the quote-unquote big bucks. Um, as I always mentioned, the last um, the last year that I worked at B of A, my pay was $24 an hour, which is a decent living. I am not complaining. They're going to start off entry-level people at $24 an hour now in 2023. It's just ridiculous to me, and I'm a little jealous, i got to admit. But, you know, there's customer service things that happen all the time. You know, oh, they put lettuce on my burger, or there was not enough mayo in, in my sandwich or whatever. You know, those are things that you can nitpick all you want. But I always say, like almost like in basketball, if you're a coach, save your timeouts because you may need them, you know, during an important part of the game. Don't waste your timeouts willy-nilly. And what I mean by that is, and you could use the analogy, don't use your free spin yet on Wheel of Fortune. Don't just give it to someone if you know that you're going to have a chance to win the game without having to use that free spin. But there are things that come up, you know, day to day that piss us all off. And it's understandable. You know, sometimes it just leads to a negative experience. And I understand that. Um, I had one today. Today is Saturday, February 18, 2023. At one of the places I enjoy, I wrote a three-part, soon to be four-part blog about the plasma donating industry. And how I think it gets a bad rap. It really does. It's, it's one of those things that I really think is necessary for a community like this. There's a lot of people who rely on that money, myself included. Uh, for um, donating plasma, 800 milliliters of plasma for yours truly. I find it a very peaceful experience. I find it to be one of those things that I actually like going to. I really enjoy going to um, because I get work done. I sit in the bed. I have a needle in my arm, yes, but I'm able to do the things that I can do as a notorious banker. I'm answering emails. I'm coordinating these, these calls with customer service reps all across the world. Um, for people who need help with banks, who people who need help closing mortgages, you know, these are things that I was trained to do as a manager in the banking industry. Now, I don't have a bank that backs me, but I have the knowledge of nearly 20 years of customer service experience. I have the knowledge of 20 years of actually caring about the person in front of me, unlike a lot of people in customer service. So I had an incident today at the plasma donating place where I was deferred um, from donating plasma again. Um, and as you may have heard many times in this podcast, because I have mentioned it many times in this podcast um, since the beginning of last year, it has been going on for about a year. Um, and I really have isolated it down to, I know they're going to say, it's like, well, something's wrong with you, James, right? No, nothing is. I, I eat a perfect diet. I check my blood pressure at home. You know, I'm checking it at home before I go. And I know what the number is. And it's vastly different over there. I am a very calm person, although, of course, this persona that I put on on the podcast, among other things, is a little bit more amped up. But this is not really who I am in real life. I am a humble guy. I am one of those people who just really enjoys other people. And and sometimes it doesn't translate whenever you have an issue like this. But I had an issue um, donating plasma where I was deferred again because of high blood pressure. And at the beginning of the day, it was high pulse. Now... You know, it's one of those things where we're not 100% healthy, the average American. I understand that. 
and there are people who are firing up cigarettes just before they go in to donate plasma. And, uh, and there's people who, who drink right after and they're not supposed to. <clears throat> I watch what I eat like a hawk the day before and immediately after donating. It, it's something I take seriously because I respect the industry and I respect the, the medical advice that they give, although they're not medical doctors for the most part that work there. But I was deferred today because of what I believe to be a very unfriendly machine to yours truly. And when I say that, you know, a lot of you know that um, I'm big on gym life. I always had been. Six days a week, powerlifting, lifting weights as much as I can. It's just something that helped me relieve stress when I worked in the banking industry. And I continued on for many years after I left the banking industry. I have 19-inch biceps. My forearms are huge, too. I haven't measured those in a long time, but they are, they are, they are pretty big. And they used to be bigger. And what happened was, you know, this cuff, they introduced this blood pressure machine um, about a year ago. And it's cool. It's kind of fancy. It's COVID era. It's Bluetooth compatible. You get the results on your phone or, you know, like a tablet or something. It's, I've, I've reviewed this machine over and over again online. And it's meant for consumer use. It's meant for one person in one household. Well, anyway, this machine is 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 commonly used to help you know upwards of a hundred people in a day um, at this plasma donation center. And I've had these situations where if you're if you're one of the first people, it gives you inaccurate readings. I I just don't know why. And you know, there's little things like if you breathe the wrong way, it'll give you a vastly different number than what it is if you just stay still. I've, I've had a habit of reading things as I'm getting um, my blood pressure taken just to calm me down because theoretically I'm as calm as can be, but the machine is saying otherwise. And, you know, I try to look in the mirror and try to say, well, maybe it's something that I do. And I all the things that I've seen with myself have nothing to do with what's what's being said on my readings for blood pressure. It just it just does not make any sense. And there are times that I'll pass with flying colors and I don't understand why. It felt like it was something that was going to be more of an issue and there's times like today where I'm as cool as a cucumber, man. I'm by myself at home. My wife is gone uh for the day. She's you know with my niece going to a birthday party. I have the house to myself. I'm excited to do more writing and to just chill out. And all of a sudden, this machine actually totally derails my day. I got to tell you, I was depressed for about an hour and a half after I left that place because it impacts financial stuff, you know, it impacts your money. And, you know, it feels like you're talking into the abyss sometimes. Sometimes whenever you're saying, hey, something is not right and no one's listening to you. That's probably the most frustrating thing of all. Now I understand people have jobs, people have work to do. And I understand, you know, to have someone kind of usurp all of your energy because they have an issue is something you don't want to do. But in the end of the day, it's customer service and you got to listen to someone's concern. You know, we've we've become a world of, I hate you, I'm going to record you, I'm going to put you on TikTok and because you guys are horrible at your job. I'm not like that. I'm a conversationalist. I'm someone who wants to talk it out and try to figure out what's going on, not just to better myself. Because I've told you, customer service issues are never just about you. If, if you think it's just about you, then you're, you're fighting a losing battle. Because there's some, time, there's some times in this world where it has to be about the bigger picture. Yes, I would like my money. Yes, I would like to donate plasma. But at the same time, there are people that I have seen with my own two eyes who have gone through the exact same thing as me. And they can't figure it out. They're frustrated and they need the money more than I do. So after this brief promotional consideration, we're getting off the bank topics for a while. Um, I really wanted to do um, a podcast about the AMC movie theater ticket thing where they're going to have dynamic pricing for the, the premium seats, a.k.a. the middle seats, and how people are just being angry as hell about that. That, in my personal opinion, is not a huge deal because we deal with it all the time everywhere else. Um, I will get to that on the next podcast. I promise you I will get to that because it was a very funny blog post I posted on my Substack Consumer Beast. I encourage you to check it out. Uh, but I'm going to do one segment, and it's going to be about my plasma donating experience, February 18, 2023. And I'm going to explain to you some of the things that I see customer service-wise 
that are just broken and some of my hypotheses that I saw today that you know maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy but there's a lot of factors that can go in that can negatively impact someone's um, bottom line like it did me today so I'm going to get down to it in just a second right after this brief promotional consideration so please stick around Hey everyone, it's James Baca, known professionally as Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on TikTok. It's at Notorious Banker on TikTok. Join the over 22,000 followers in following me, this weird nearly 40-year-old man, in discussing problems going on with big banks, problems going on with customer service in this crazy world, in a funny, acerbic way that no one else can match. I've had the fortune of having nearly 600,000 likes of my content since I started on TikTok last year, and it just keeps on growing. My followers keep on growing. Nick Jonas of the Jonas Brothers follows me on TikTok, which I just find weird because although I like the Jonas Brothers music, I have never interacted with the man once in my life, yet I am one of 40 accounts that he follows. That just goes to show you the uniqueness of my content, and I'm proud to say that my content is unique. We hit up big banks. We hit up businesses that have poor customer service. No, we don't show Karen videos, okay, because that's going too far. But we talk about things in an enlightened manner, a funny manner, and we have a good time doing that. So once again, at Notorious Banker on TikTok, join me on the social media network that everyone seems to be talking about. Um, I promise you one thing. You'll always have an interesting video to watch when you follow me, the Notorious Banker, on TikTok. Thank you. All right, everyone, I'm back with more Notorious Bankers. So, you know, I went off in the 13-minute intro there. I apologize about that. It's something I feel so passionately about. And as you've heard many times in this podcast over five years through three companies with um, the Plasma Donating Center at 805 South Main Street here in Las Cruces, and it's every plasma donation center that is under the Griffles umbrella now. So it's not just them. I want to tell you one thing. Those, those employees there are some amazing people. I've got to meet people, and while I wouldn't call them best friends, I call them acquaintances because these are people that I talk to more than I talk to anyone else in this world right now. My wife not included, of course. <laughs> I talk to my wife more than anyone. But I talk to these people more than my, my mom. I talk to these people more than my nieces and nephews because they're in another city, in another state, most of them anyway. You know, these people become a part of your day-to-day -day life. I also talk to the grocery store clerks, but, you know, like, you, you interact with them. Hey, did you watch the game? Or how's it going? How's your family? How was your holiday? These things are important to me. Good customer service is just not about doing your job. It's about making someone feel welcome. And in a plasma donation center, it can easily be an intimidating thing to a lot of people. You know, there's these little plasma screening rooms that are, for claustrophobic people, would fucking flip you out. It just it makes you very, very nervous. And I'm not a claustrophobic person, but I feel it to be a tight squeeze in there. And then one of the things you do whenever you screen, of course, that they weigh you. For a lot of people, their weight is one of those things that's just like, I don't want to know it because I know that I'm not healthy or it should be less or whatever. And that's another part of it. And then you get your finger pricked. That way they can check your hematocrit and they can check your protein levels. Some people don't like to get their fingers pricked. And, you know, I've met older Hispanic people who have diabetes who just flat out refuse to check their blood sugar. They refuse to do it because they're afraid of the needle, even if they're the ones pricking their own fingers. It's crazy. Then, of course, the plasma donation itself. It's a bigger needle that's inserted into your arm. And for yours truly, since I'm over 175 pounds, 800 milliliters of plasma is taken out of my body. Saline is put back in. And I am compensated for that. Most people will freak out at the needle. I had, um, well, I have a younger brother who um, didn't, didn't like to donate plasma. I, I guess he just had a bad reaction to it. Or maybe he wasn't the biggest fan of it. I've had other roommates who have tried it and they can't do it because of fear of needles, because of how unhealthy they are. Um, there are some people who just can't get past regular donating. Yours truly has donated 170 plus times with Griffles. And the company before that, I'm going to say easily two to 300 times. I don't know what the number is because they didn't have as cool an app as Griffles does here. But I have done it a lot. I am as regular as regular can be. Some people donate plasma just to have some extra money for a certain part of time. This has become fundamentally an important part of my budget. 
it's not a back-breaking part of my budget, but it's important enough to know that I was pissed today for something that I had absolutely no control over, and I was very, very upset for about an hour afterwards. And I'm going to give you an analogy of how I felt after um, I left today. So, you know, long story short, I'm going to just set the scene for what happened today. I'm going to tell a little story here. I'm actually going to write about it, too, on my um, Substack. If you feel like reading it, you can just hang up now and go to um, 800milliliters.com. That's 800-ml.com. I'm going to have part four um, to this saga, and it is a saga at this point. So my wife woke me up early. She's headed out of town. She's going to a birthday party, and I wanted to go, but I just I wanted to donate, and I wanted to get some work done with writing in my book. So I, I get up the same time I normally do, 6.20. They have the new thing where you do your, your um, screening questions on your phone. And I did them on my phone while at home, and that was cool. I enjoyed that part of it. And it's, it's another way of this company trying to make things more efficient. Go to the grocery store like I normally do before. I get all my non-perishable items, cereal and whatnot. Um, that's as routine as it gets. I do that Saturday grocery run before donating every single day. Nothing to write home about. Nothing that's that's um, making me amped up or anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I get there um, to the plasma donating center about 7.20 or so. And since I already done my questions, I don't need to go to one of the cool kiosks. And I, wanted to, I want to just mention too that I bought a brand new jacket. I've been going into the plasma center really cold in the last several months because I don't have a heater in my car. And I usually wear hoodies, but they don't really give you that warmth that a jacket does. So I actually spent some money on myself, and I bought myself a nice puffer jacket. It's cool. I'm really proud that I got it. It's, it's, it's something that I don't buy myself. So I stand in line. I take off my jacket because I know they're going to need to do my blood pressure. And I go into booth number four. Booth number four is the biggest of the screening booths. And it's probably twice the size of the other ones. And they are really cramped. I, I've had closets and trailers <laughs> that are bigger than that. And um, I got to tell you, it's, you know, for some people who are claustrophobic, that might freak them out. I'm not claustrophobic, so it doesn't freak me out a bit. Do my thing, step on the scale, get my finger prick, check all the hematocrit and stuff, my temperature. Then the blood pressure thing comes on. Now I want to set the stage here really quick because it's important to note one thing. As a former manager, as a former lower-level lower employee, entry-level employee, uh, working at a, a bank for many years before I became an important person, and I don't even like to call myself that, um, this next few minutes is not about any of the associates whatsoever. It is absolutely not. Those people are awesome. I think they are really, really great people. And, and, and what can I say? You know, They do a job that I can't do. They do a job that I would just refuse to do. If they said, James, you either can be a phlebotomist or you can never work again, I would choose never work again because I feel that that job is hard. I feel that that job is something that they should be proud of because it's something that I can't do. You know, I, I respect people who do jobs that I just physically or mentally cannot do. So the girl puts the cuff on. I'll withhold names here because there's no need in pointing out uh, specific people because that's just wrong to do that because it has nothing to do with her for the most part so the cuff is put on my arm and i have told you before and you can you can read my um, substack blog the cuff is designated for someone's arm with a maximum of 16.9 inches at my peak in my weightlifting days you know which were up until the middle of last year my bicep was 20 inches, okay? I was four inches away from Hulk Hogan, and, you know, I'm proud of that. I'm proud that this little chubby kid from Socorro, New Mexico, actually paid attention to his health, and he had huge arms, huge traps. I didn't have a flat stomach, but I didn't have a big beer gut. These are things that, that you know, got me, you know, looks from women. These are things that got me, damn, bro, from guys. It, it, was, it was something that I was proud of. I was proud of my physique. She puts the cuff on my arm. She hits the on button. Couple things that I just noticed right off the bat that just kind of started going askew. So the 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 cord that goes from the blood pressure cuff to the actual machine itself. It's a little tiny handheld machine. It's probably no bigger than like a travel alarm clock. 
it was resting on it so the the cord itself was not unobstructed you know and and i didn't want to move it i didn't want to move myself because i didn't want to amp myself up to the point of being deferred so i just let it be the cuff started squeezing my arm and i'm i'm used to it already that's something like i said i i can do at home i could do at the machine at walgreens or walmart it's fine and it squeezes and then it kind of lets the air out because i think it got the systolic pressure starts to air it out and then it squeezes the shit out of my arm a second time and then it it does it a little tighter and then it lets go then squeezes it like shit a third time it squeezes the hell out of my arm a third time and it's starting to hurt my wrist i can feel the squeeze literally hurting my wrist so something is going wrong if it's trying to re-squeeze my arm something is is throwing an error code or something i know this from the times that i had it happen to me last year so you know what happens is the screener is supposed to stay in the booth with you and monitor all these things she was talking to someone on the donor floor um there's a little dutch door that's right there and she was talking to him and and you know i'm not gonna yell and say hey get the fuck over here that's just not who i am but i'm like hey i need your help i need your help this thing was throwing off this pressure and it did it a fourth time i said this thing is squeezing me a fourth time it's not working right something is wrong that's exactly what i said she was not looking at the machine when it was doing that despite me trying to call her and i mean you can look at camera footage if you want um but she was not paying attention to it but i was and i was freaking out because it was doing things that it hadn't done to me in a very long time so then it lets go and i see i only care about one number and that's the number on the bottom, which diastolic pressure. And it was something like 130 over 90, 96 or something like that. And 100 is the max. So before I look at it, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, I was freaking out that this shit wasn't working. It, it, it wasn't working right. I was right. It wasn't working right. My pulse was 108. And I said, this is wrong. This is this. Can we do a retake right now? Because this is ridiculous. The machine wasn't working. I was trying to call you, but you're over there. And she punched in the things, and she said, we well, could take a retake again, but if it doesn't work, then I'm going to have to defer you for the day. And I got upset. I mean, if you put a, you know, a, if you get your temperature taken with a thermometer, an oral thermometer, and it reads 194.2 degrees, you're fucking boiling. I mean, oh, we got to defer you. I was like, no, something is weirdly wrong because if you were at 194 degrees, you'd be fucking dead. You would be dead. <laughs> you'd be dead as dead can be. You'd be dead with 104 temperature more, most times than not. So this thing was, it was giving me a perfect blood pressure reading, but my pulse was high. That doesn't make any sense. That does not make any sense in the grand scheme of things with how blood pressure works because if you're having a very high pulse rate chances are you're probably with a high blood pressure reading as well so the numbers didn't make sense so she didn't want to do the retake until i sat for 15 minutes and i i, I needed the money so no other choice i was like well nothing else i can do so i go sit down and i'm i'm mad i'm stewing because she was not paying attention she was not paying attention this thing happened it was an error on the machine i have seen these errors before I have read the the books for the blood pressure machine because I have done this whole um, study about it in the last year because this particular blood pressure machine has one-star reviews on Amazon. And people who use it for consumer uses, it does not work. Some people said that my doctor was going to put me on high blood pressure medication based on the readings from this machine. And then we tried a real machine and it turns out I was fine. People were going to ingest medicine that wasn't necessarily needed because this machine is throwing off fucking things. Now, there are people already donating on the on the, the plasma floor, okay? So there's other people already there, and they and they pass. So there's a couple of things there. One, their arms are way smaller than mine. My arm is, is, is maybe about 19 inches now, but it's still 2 inches bigger than the maximum, you know, size for that cuff. So if they have a 14-inch arm, 12-inch arm, if they're little, you know, women and have a 10-inch arm, which is possible. I've seen some buff 10-inch bicep people in my life. It's going to hug their arm just perfectly. It's going to go on there perfectly, get an accurate reading because it doesn't have to um, overwork. You know, it doesn't have to overwork to get that reading. Whenever there's not enough um, area to do a, pr a proper squeeze 
on a medium cuff on a double XL individual like myself, then it's going to give a, a wrong reading. It's the equivalent of putting your finger on a weight scale. You know what I mean? If you push down on it, you're going to be able to give a different reading as opposed to if you're just trying to weigh meat and you don't t put your finger on it or anything else on it. So it was giving a wrong reading, but I was being punished for it. So I did that again. So I'm just sitting there. You know, I was like upset, but not mad. I was just like, you know, I have did this before. I can pass it again. I'm not trying to get into my own head about it. 15 minutes passes by. And we try it again. And now my pulse is fine. My pulse is 80. Apparently that's calmed down a lot. But then all of a sudden, my blood pressure reads somewhere in the neighborhood of 154 over 111. So he says, you know, let me try it again. Let me try it again. And, and I respect her for that because she knows that something is up. I, I, you know, it's one thing for me to complain and say, yeah, something is up. You don't need to listen to me. You don't need to listen to that person. If you feel something is wrong, you know, they have, in banking, they call it the freedom to act. You have the freedom to say, hey, you know what? Something is a little off here. So we tried it again. And now my blood pressure is at 117 at diastolic. So it actually went up. It went up in, in a minute's time, which and, and, the, and the pulse was fine, by the way. So now I'm a totally chill person with a very cool resting pulse. But all of a sudden, the blood pressure numbers are just vastly different than what they were at the beginning when I had perfect blood pressure numbers and I had high pulse. So, you know, I asked to see a manager. And when I, when I do that, I don't mean like, you know, screw you, I want to see the manager. I need to understand what's going on here. I need to understand why... I'm having this scenario. It's important to me. It's important to me as an individual who is dedicating his time to this company, who, who is making money off of me for something that I am donating and something that I am willing to donate willingly twice a week and refer people. I can't tell you how many hundreds of people I have talked to about the benefits of doing this while on my little throne at the bank. I can't tell you how many people I've told about this in the first book that I wrote um, as a notorious banker, please try your call again later, now available on Amazon. I did a whole chapter about it. I'm like, you know what? This is something that's important. And this is something during COVID that, you know, there's not a lot of people who donated. But the people who did, they, they got through COVID because they had this extra money. So, you know, I asked to speak to the manager and I, and I spoke to someone who was in charge. He is someone I consider a friend. He is someone that I will talk to uh, when I'm over there about sports or life or whatever. And, and that's cool. It's cool to have those those bonds with people. Although, you know, we're not going to go to the club together. At the same time, guess what? We're going to talk about life. And that's all you can do to have that rapport with people. And I say, hey, man, you know that I've had my beef with this machine. You know you know that I've had my beef with this machine. I said, I said, this thing is just throwing off weird numbers. It's throwing off weird numbers and they just keep getting crazier every time we try it. And the first time it happened, you know, she wasn't paying attention. And it was it was squeezing my arm four or five times. And it gave me a crazy high pulse reading because it was squeezing my arm four or five times. So then he says, you know, nothing he can do. He wants to make sure that his job is fine, which I understand. Dude, I want that dude to work there 30 years as long as he gets decently paid. And he has a good retirement and all that stuff. He is an awesome person at his job. He says, we're going to try your right arm. And I said, okay. This makes it the third time we're trying. But I was like, do you mind if I wait another 15 minutes? Most people who complain will not offer to wait another 15 minutes. It's like, no, I want it done now. I'm willing to call a spade a spade and say, you know what? I just want to make sure that this is done right and proper and not in the heat of the moment. Let me go chill out for another 15 minutes. By the way, I always tell people, you're you know, waiting in line, waiting your turn somewhere. You know, someone said, oh, I waited 30 minutes to place an order at this restaurant. And I'm like, dude, you have a fucking phone. You can read. You can text your friends. You can get on social media. You're never waiting if you have a cell phone. And that's my personal thing. Whenever people complain about wait time at the bank, I'm like, dude, you were on Facebook in line. <laughs> you were on Facebook. And, and part of the deal of, of being a human is, you know what, not everything is going to get done right away for you. 
So you got these phones that are distractions. You're not driving, so guess what? You can get on your phone, you can talk to your friends, you can read about things, and, and empower your life. Don't just stare at the wall and stew. Don't just stare at the wall and be mad at someone for no fucking reason whatsoever. So I'm not like that. So I said, you know what, I'm going to chill out another 15 minutes. It's Saturday, I'm fine, I got a lot of time. So 15 minutes passes by, and then we have a third person who comes to, to try it out. And I understand why they do that, you know, different set of eyes and all that stuff. We do that at the bank all the time. I respect that. That tells me that a conversation is being had. So we go in the third time, and then we try it on my left, my right arm, because we agreed upon our right arm. And my systolic was in the 140s, which is pretty good. Then my diastolic was 111 again. So it's still 11 points over where I need to be in order to pass. So I, I'm already resigned. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. This is this is crazy. And then he's like, you know what? Let's try the other arm. So we're now trying a fifth time. A fifth time. And if anyone listens to this that works in this industry... Um, especially anyone who's a supervisor or whatever, you got to understand one thing. This is not them putting themselves on the line for it. They're aware of this fluky error too, okay? They're aware of something going on, and they want to make sure that their shit is right in order for them to conduct business throughout the day. So we try my left arm for shits and giggles. 30 seconds later, I throw up a diastolic that's 104, Different than the 111 just 30 seconds before. How did my blood pressure go down 7 points in 30 seconds? Especially under that tension and pressure that we're all feeling about, hey, I'm not going to be able to donate. That's when it tells you that something is wrong with that machine. How can it give you two vastly different readings? 111 to 104 is different. If you if you see a basketball game, it's like, hey, the Lakers beat the Pistons. 111 to 104. you holy shit, that was a... Pretty dominating performance by the Lakers. They didn't blow them out. But seven points is three possessions. You know what I mean? Seven points means that they had their number. And the, the Pistons weren't going to be able to catch up very easy. Even if you had another two minutes on the clock. More than likely anyway. So 111 is vastly different than 104. So it went down. But that one was my last try. And I couldn't um, donate. And it's frustrating. you know. And it's one of those things where. Like I said. I can't be mad at them. Because I'm mad at that machine. If you look at that machine on Amazon, one-star reviews throughout, there's people who just say, hey, it does not work. It's like, this machine is awesome if only it would work. I posted some screenshots of the reviews on my uh, particular blog about this um, on part two of 800 milliliters at 800-ml.com. Please check that out and subscribe to my Substack. You'll see the reviews. And I'm not one to read reviews all the time. There's always someone that hates everything, Okay. I'm sure that someone's going to go to like go see the Shroud of Turin, the cover that Jesus was buried in, and go, oh yeah, that cover was gross, that Shroud was disgusting, one star, bad experience. People are like that. People are horrible people, okay? So to leave one star reviews is just not, it's just, it's just not cool unless you have context. These people have context because they were sold a machine that does not do the one thing it's supposed to do, which is read their fucking blood pressure right. And that's that's the frustrating thing as hell about this thing. It's like we know what it is, and, and the phlebotomists know what it is too, because they're the ones that have to deal with it as well. But for some reason, they decide to get rid of the extra large cuff, which would benefit me, which would benefit a lot of bigger people, and, and, and a machine that costs upwards of a $1,000 uh, that's a brand new piece of medical equipment. It wasn't brand new, the machine that they were using. But what I'm getting at is it's more expensive. It's supposed to be higher quality. And it was more for um, a, a place like that, a doctor's office, a place where that thing is going to be used multiple times. This thing that they're using is smaller than a travel alarm clock. Has all these bad reviews on Amazon, so much so that the company actually discontinued that particular model and they came out with another one that's really less of a footprint and it's more reliant on your cell phone for results. Which to me, with COVID and all the new products that came out during COVID, a lot of that shit is hit and miss. It really is. So you have all of that. Plus, I just had this epiphany whenever I was standing there waiting to donate again. I noticed a rechargeable um, rechargeable battery charger, I guess is the word I'm looking for, 
on the wall, right, right beneath the TV in the lobby. And um, the last time I was there, I saw four AA or AAA batteries on the charger, and I saw it red. And and I don't know why that caught my eye the way that it did, but I was a big rechargeable battery person the early part of the 2000s. Um, I was one of those dudes who had a digital camera for everything. I probably have taken a million pictures in my life. I just like to document my life. It's just what I do. So when I bought a digital camera like 04, 05, I mean, we're talking a generation ago. If you have a kid that was born in 05, they're, they're, they're barely legal now. They're adults. Um, you know, 04, 05, I had a digital camera, and it, was, um, it didn't have the lithium-ion batteries in. Those are the best kind of batteries for cameras. This one accepted two AA batteries. So, you know, I, I was like, well, I'm going to be taking a lot of pictures, so buying a bunch of batteries is not really cost prohibitive. You know, you have to spend 4 or $5 for two good batteries nowadays. I would take maybe 200 pictures, and then those batteries would die. And I'm like, I can't keep doing this. I could take 200 pictures a night sometimes. So I spent like 50 bucks, and I bought this Rayovac 10-minute battery charger. 10 minutes! Some of these rechargeable batteries used to take six hours, and some of them do now. Um, but I bought this thing, and I bought four batteries. That way I could always be charging another set. That way my camera could always be going if I was at a party or if I was at a concert or something. I had multiple batteries. So I bought these rechargeable batteries in 2005. Go to like a concert or something. Took maybe 50 pictures, and then it said the battery's low, battery's low, battery's low. I'm like, why? So... You know, I had other batteries, so I took more pictures, and I was fine that day. But then, I just noticed over time, you know, a week later, I'm like, why does it only take this many? And then whenever I would power on my camera, it would take longer to boot. It would just, it just seems like it was like half a second lag. And, you know, people nowadays who play video games understand lag. It was like, you know, you're playing a Call of Duty or something like that. You have that little split second of a lag. Which can end up getting you shot on Call of Duty, you know, and that's the way that it felt with this camera. You turn it on, there's that little hiccup of time that it took before it powered on. And it took pictures, the pictures were fine, but it didn't take enough of them, despite the fact these were very expensive batteries and they were, quote, rechargeable. So, you know, you would charge them all the way to 100%, they'd be good, and then do another 50 pictures, whatever. And then, you know, one day I, I didn't bring them for whatever reason, I guess I left them on the charger at home, so I bought some regular old ever-ready batteries at the dollar store and the fucking dollar store batteries the dollar store batteries actually took more pictures than the rechargeable ones that cost like 50 times the price <clears throat> and that was ridiculous to me i'm like why what's going on and i'm not big on science i never was that was my worst subject in school so you know i'm just trying to figure out why i'm not taking as many pictures with the more expensive batteries that was just what i used to think so I'm looking at all the... I always keep instructions for everything, by the way. And and people who throw away shit um, immediately, even... Like, like for instance, we mounted a TV in our house. And my wife's like, should we throw the manual away? I was like, why are we going to throw the manual away? What if something happens to it and we just know what's going on? It's, it's important to keep these instructions, at least just for reference purposes. So I looked at all the, the little books and manuals that came with the rechargeable batteries... And um, it said 1350MAH. 13, and I was like, I don't even know what MAH means. That's how non-science I am. So that's milliampere's an hour. MAH, milliampere's an hour. So 1350 milliampere's an hour were my rechargeable batteries at 50 bucks a pop. And yeah, you can charge them 10,000 times or whatever. So the long-term game, that's the better buy because you only have to buy them once as long as you don't lose them. Then I, I looked, I went to the store, I went to a Walmart, I think, um, and I looked at Duracell. I, I remember this day like like it was yesterday because, you know, it's like that whole science, you know, I understood science, I understood what was going on in that very moment. So I looked at a pack of Duracell, regular fucking Duracell copper top, no Duracell Max, Duracell Extreme, Duracell to the fucking 100th power, just good old Duracell batteries. 
2,850 milliampers an hour. 2,850. So the Duracell batteries were twice as powerful. Yes, they were only they were disposable batteries. So once you were done with them, you're done with them. But they had twice the power of the of the rechargeable Rayovac batteries that I bought. So what does that mean? And when I put the copper top batteries in to my digital camera, I fucking popped up in a tenth of a second. The, the, the lens popped out. That's how old it was. It had one of those big fucking lenses. Lens popped out. Tenth of a second, I'm ready to take pictures. The other one, maybe like a half second. It told me that, yes, okay, not all batteries are equal. Yes, this battery is going to be able to power on the camera just like that other battery. But the, the non-disposable batteries are, are operating at a lower milliampers an hour, an MAH. They're, they're op- operating at lower level power, but longer, and you can recharge them many times. The copper top thing is filled with twice as much power. It's supposed to give you that extra oomph for high-tech electronics or things that are being used a long time. And, and you know, if you look at the back of a battery package, they'll, you know, you get like the El Cheapos, like, this one is for flashlights, and this one is for alarm clocks. And then this one, this one is for high-end remote control products or drones or whatever the fuck. Like, it has all these different things for different types of batteries. And, yeah, it's kind of bullshit. You know, there's all these different tiers. It's like liquor. There's top-shelf liquor and there's top-shelf batteries. But whenever you have rechargeable batteries, whenever you have batteries that aren't high, the highest of high quality, it operates at a lower milliampers an hour, and it's going to give you worse performance and if this fucking machine already is as bad as it is already if it's already as bad as it is already and you give them low quality batteries you're going to even have a worse reading than before and i think that's what it is today now they may have had the batteries all along very well could be the reason why but i just thought about that on thursday and i just remember the digital camera battery story from like 20 years ago you know and (sighs) This is a funny analogy. It's funny because, you know, we talk about this all the time whenever we have guests. I'm a Scott toilet paper person, okay? I'm one of those thousand sheets of roll type people. It's it's all the same. It's all going to be used in the same place. Some people are like, oh, it's rough. It hurts. It's not quilted or whatever. That's all bullshit. That's all bullshit. It all wipes the same. Batteries are not toilet paper, okay? Batteries do not perform differently because they are created differently. They have more power. There's not powerful toilet paper and less powerful toilet paper. It's all paper. It's just a matter of how many layers do you want. And even with a single ply bit of Scott, if you want the quilted fill, we'll roll that some bitch over five times and have a five-layer piece of paper to wipe your ass with. Okay, and that's what I'm getting at. It's you know, there's certain things that the quality doesn't matter because of what you use it for. It's like, well, I want name brand fucking salt. Well, salt is salt. <laughs> you know, you want the Morton salt or do you want the store brand? Why does it fucking matter? You're, you're paying $1.50 for literally a different label. But with batteries, yeah, you buy the rechargeable ones because you're like, hey, we're going to save $10,000 if we don't have to buy these fucking batteries all the time. But at the same time, it's providing less performance. And me not donating plasma is going to be 500 to a thousand dollars depending on who you read that they're going to lose because i can't do what i wanted to do which is donate plasma for money so i'm going to look at all factors here and i left it on a good note uh, all those people i'm friendly with I, I thank them i said thank you for helping me thank you for talking to me it means a lot um i shared my my blog with them which i'm really happy about because i really want them to understand in this long ass thing that i wrote the first part of the blog the first part of the blog was why I even started donating plasma and how I be, how I grew to love it. The second part is all what the fuck? Like why do I have to deal with this machine? The third part is kind of what the fuck and just noticing the little things day to day that you notice that changes in a company that for better or for worse changes the the dynamic of that company. And now part four of this experience um, was depressing because I'm trying to figure out why it's doing that. I'm trying to figure out why this machine does not like me. Because there's another machine that, that fits my arm perfectly, gives a normal reading because it has a normal cuff I can fit my arm in. And I'm really happy about that particular machine that they no longer can use for whatever reason. 
And I heard it's like, we're not allowed to use that machine anymore. But the fact of the matter is this. They said that last year as well until we had this discussion about it. And for a year, guess what? We got to use the machine again. But I drove around for an hour today, man. I was so depressed. And I was trying to figure out what that feeling of depression was like. Because I hadn't felt that way in a long time. So I narrowed it down to what I knew that it felt like. It felt like when I used to gamble. Not in Vegas. Vegas is different. Um, I used to live closer to Albuquerque, so I, you know, I used to go to the, the, the Indian casinos. That's the the non woke way of saying it now. The the First Nations casinos, the the Native American casinos. You know what I mean. I I don't mean any harm by calling it Indian casinos, but some people don't like that word. I would go to Isleta, I would go to Sandia, all these places, and I still just love to play the machines. My mom is a compulsive gambler, and guess what? It rubbed off on me. When I was younger, I wasn't making a lot of money, $9 an hour. Maybe I'd get $200 in a paycheck for a week. You know, I'd get this check, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to go put some money in the machine. $220 lost, and I don't have any money for the week. And it's different than Vegas because if I saved money and I went to Vegas and spent the same amount of money, dude, I'm in Vegas with hot women. I'm in Vegas with celebrities walking by. I'm in Vegas with free drinks. I'm in Vegas with lights and sounds and possibilities. That's a vacation. I was in the middle of bumfuck New Mexico, 10 miles outside of Albuquerque. And I'm in my car. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I lost $220. And all I got out of it was a fucking Mr. Pib. <laughs> Mr. Pib was served in the fountain drinks at Isleta Casino. And I used to call it my $200 Mr. Pib. Because I was like, I love Mr. Pib more than Dr. Pepper. If anything, I lose my balls off. Guess what? I still have this Mr. Pib, which they don't sell in cans. They don't sell in bottles anywhere. And if I was by myself, usually I had my friend James with me. But if I was by myself, I'd just sit in the car and be like, God, what did I do? Why did I do that? And I would figure out bills. I'm like, okay, well, my cell phone is $62. It used to be $6206, my T-Mobile bill. Like, okay, 6206 for that. If I pay that with next week's check and then I don't buy this um, pair of pants that I wanted, I should be able to cover that part of it. And then maybe I can get away without having to pay my mom some of the electric bill. I was still living at home. Um, I was living by myself in this four-bedroom house, and, and she was paying all the bills. I was like, well, I promised I'd give her some money. I was like, well, if I kind of skipped out on that, I was like, okay, I'll have money to do things. But then I'd just sit there and like, what a fucking feeling that I had I had all this money in my hand. And I could have just done, you know, good things with it. But I went and played the fucking American bandstand slot for Dick Clark. And um what was another one that they used to have? They used to have another one. All the goldfish one, the Monopoly ones. And I would play it hoping to win a million dollars, knowing that it's probably not gonna happen, but I still couldn't help myself. And that money is now gone. So I used to sit in that parking lot. And I used to just ponder, like, why did I do that? And then maybe I'd go to the convenience store, get a soda or something after I drank my $200 Mr. Pib. Get some candy. And I wouldn't get on the interstate right away. I'd go through the back roads and I'd listen to music. And I would just be thinking, like, fuck. This sucks. Having to deal with an impact in your money sucks. And this was like 2005, 2006. And this is when I actually um, started getting into banking. And I think those feelings, coupled with the fact that I lived in a couple of towns that had really poor people and saw them with that same look on their face whenever they didn't have enough money to take care of business. You're like, I never want to feel this way. And not only that, I want to help people not feel this way. I felt like that today. I felt like, a $100 wrench was thrown in my plans, and now I'm trying to figure out a way to cover my losses. Now, one of the phlebotomists gave me a card good for a $20 bonus on the next donation. It's still a loss of $40, even if I pass on Tuesday. But the fact of the matter is, and this is the most frustrating part of it, and, you know, I'm just trying to think about all the times that I've gone through this, and it's been about 10 times since this goddamn machine has been there. And, you know, it's it's one thing to hear you out. But to isolate a problem, to understand that it's that, it's that particular machine that's causing problems, and and no one listens to it, that's the most frustrating thing in the world. No one listens to something that you actually spent 
dozens of hours researching because it bugged me to no other that all of a sudden people say, oh, you need to calm down. You're unhealthy, whatever. No, I'm I'm good. I'm really good. I care more about this process than almost anyone else. I care more about my health than anyone else. Because guess what? I'm turning 40 in two months, and it's scary, and I want to make sure I live for another 40 years. And, you know, you see your grandparents in, in failing health, and you're like, I don't want to be that. So I, I, I do all these things. I factor all these things. And this machine is calling me a fucking liar. And this machine that's calling me a fucking liar is costing me money and is frustrating. I don't mean to hijack this podcast. This podcast was bank news um, for a personal problem. This is a customer service issue. And I think how management handles customer service issues, whether it's a plasma donation center or whether it's a bank or whatever, is important. Because you got to isolate the problem. This is what they used to tell us at the bank. Well, someone t- comes to you with a problem first. You acknowledge the problem. Okay, well, I understand that this is what you're feeling. This is what's going on. Uh, my name is James. I'm going to try to figure this out with you. We're going to try to figure out what we can gather about this particular issue. And you send it up the chain or you send it to someone who may know. And you have this talk saying, hey, this guy says that the cuff does not squeeze his arm right. is giving these false readings and he's not able to donate. And... Yes, by the way, his arm is 19 inches big. It's 2 inches bigger than what the cuff says is the maximum. So why don't we have an extra large cuff like we had before? Why Why did? Why the change? Because you can be 400 pounds and donate plasma. I haven't met a lot of 400 pound people with fucking dinosaur arms, okay? Because even if they're not buff and they're just fat, they're going to have bigger arms than I do. So it becomes discriminatory at that point. I hate using that word. I'm like, well, if you're if you're punishing me for doing one thing that actually makes me healthier, then what are we what are we talking about here? You want someone who's not lifting weights, who doesn't pay attention to his health and his physique? So I stopped lifting weights as a result of this. I traded in the one thing that caused um, so much joy in my life in exchange for money, in exchange to pay the bills by being able to donate plasma to accommodate them. And they accommodated me for a long time, and they and they continue to do so in other ways. But the fact of the matter is this machine is not accommodating to me or other people. I saw someone get deferred off this machine on Thursday when I was there. I talk about it not because it's just happening to me. Because like I said, that's the most selfish thing in the world you can do is complain about something that only impacts you. Like, who the fuck are you? You're one of 330 million people. But I've seen I've seen enough people get deferred as a result of this cuff. I've seen a lot of people not understand why as a result of this cuff. I've seen people listen to fucking whale sounds and try to calm themselves down when in reality they were as calm as can be because of this machine. Three different people gave me the readings and I got three different readings. They were not within the same range of one another. It's not like credit scores. It's like your credit scores from experience is 622, TransUnion is 642, and then... Equifax is this one, and then we dropped the lowest and the highest because the middle one is kind of where it's at. Well, if you get the median of diastolic, the median of systolic, and the median of the blood or the pulse rate that I was throwing today, I would have passed. But these wacky numbers with a very wacky machine and possibly whack ass batteries being the cause of it, um, I don't know. And it sucks. I'm $100 lighter. So um, I hate to do this to you, but if you contribute to The Notorious Banker via Venmo at The Notorious Banker, um, Cash App at The Notorious Banker, um, or you can contact me at TheNotoriousBanker at gmail.com. If you contribute $10 to yours truly, The Notorious Banker, I will promise you a copy of the high-risk transaction book that's available on Amazon now, free of charge in Kindle format. And I will give you my last, the next three books I have coming out all in ebook format. We're going to do the one about customer service on the Substack blogs. We're going to do the Zelle one and we're going to do the New Mexico State one. I am willing to give you a piece of me if you contribute to this little, this little blip in my finances that I have to deal with. And I will deal with it because that's what adults do. Um... But if you want to do that, thank you so very much. I know my thousands of supporters have always been there for me. 
The people at Las Cruces Biologicals, formerly known as BPL Plasma, now known as Griffles. A lot of those people are amazing people, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm happy to work with them, and they're great. They're great at what they do. But there comes a fine line between, you know what, they're great at what they do, and I need these people to help me acknowledge a concern that I have. Because it is impacting me, and it's impacting a lot of people. And quite frankly, it can't go on like this. It's just not fair to me. It's not fair to donors who need the money a hell of a lot more than I do. And it's not fair to the manager who has a goal of how many donors to get into the center. Or the manager who has numbers he has to report. Managers who have to listen to their boss bitch and complain about what's going on at these centers and to make sure that they're operating a, a fair and balanced plasma donation center. That's important too. So we're going to leave it at that. You can follow me on TikTok at Notorious Banker at Bank Better Guy on Twitter and at Notorious Banker on Instagram. My name is James Baca, known professionally as Notorious Banker, signing off. Thank you so much for your patience in the last couple of weeks as I try to figure out how to write this New Mexico State book. It's coming very soon. My 40-year-old book and my Zell book as well. Um, you can also find High Risk Transaction, the Ryan Coogler Bank of America incident on Amazon. Or for $10, I will give that to you free of charge in Kindle format along with my next three books if you can help me out of this little plasma mess. But until we meet again, my friends, my name is James Baca, known professionally as Notorious Banker. I promise you we're going to talk about the AMC movie thing on the next podcast along with other news as breaking news warrants. But until then, thank you for listening to my customer service rant. My name is James Vaca. You have a great weekend.